Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Wherever you are in the world, you're welcome to Revolution Live, our monthly gathering, our monthly meetup, our monthly uh, dive, deep dive into what's going on in the wonderful world of electric vehicles, particularly in and around charging. Um, so who have we got today? Well, we have uh, Matteo Sotomayor, who is Director of Fleet Charging at uh, Digital Charging Solutions GmbH in Germany. Um, and this is particularly exciting because, Matteo, you're joining us live from a show, aren't you? I can see you're, you're not like the rest of us, sat at a desk somewhere. You're sat inside a vehicle. I can see that. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm actually in Hannover inside the caravan at the exhibition, a fleet exhibition, um, where a lot of EVs around me and hopefully to drive some EVs today as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I was recently in, um, in a product from Hanover in the uh, new VWID buzz, which I think, you know, is going to be a great smash. You know, very, very, very nice product been a long time coming mind you but at least it's here anyway let's get on with the show because we only have an hour it will go by quickly we're going to welcome you the audience to come on and ask questions um if we can manage that um i've just about got the hang of the tech now which is good news so um yes we're going to be talking about the digital approach to uh fleet electrification and charging management if you're watching this live great like i said you can join in if you're listening to the podcast uh, where were you um, but that's okay. Where, wherever you are, live or listening now to the recording, you're you're more than welcome. Um, so we've had we we like to run a poll, Matteo, before we we have any of these uh, meetups. And the poll we ran this time, the question we asked was: um, Fleet managers, what's your biggest electrification roadblock? And these are the answers. So. I guess this is inevitable. People will think access to EV charging was 63% of the respondents. Um, software integration, that was a quarter of people, 20, well, just under 24%. And then billing and reimbursement uh, was 10% with 3% making up uh, some of the other stuff. So any surprises in that to you, Matteo, would you say? Yes, actually, I think this matches as well, like from uh, my uh, feedback from the market. Yeah, well, well, exactly. I mean, you know, any of us that have been in and around uh, electric vehicles for, for a while, kind of, yeah, can can anticipate some of this stuff. Um, so, I want to start with a kind of how would I call it a juicy question. Um, what would you say is the most valuable insight fleet managers can get from software um, when it comes to helping them r run a fleet of electric vehicles? That, yeah, I, I tell you what. Don't answer that question yet. I'd like to come back to it in a bit, but I'm, I'm really keen to know, in your view, your experience, certainly maybe from what you're hearing from customers, what's the, what's the best thing that people are finding they get from, from software? So that's, that's definitely in there. So let's crack on. Um, before we do, just to remind our live audience, what we will be doing is taking your questions. We'll take them in about 25 minutes. So please put them in the chat. We do want to see them. Um, I'll be looking out for them. And as and when we can, we'll bring you up on stage. Uh, I can say we've got, yeah, we've got a nice group of people in already, which is fantastic. Um, so one thing that really intrigues me right now, and I think many people is, uh, how are we going to meet these various timelines that are in place uh, around Europe and beyond? We recently heard of it in California in terms of the end of 
manufacture of internal combustion engines. So, so certainly as we get towards those deadlines and absolutely pass them, you know, 2025 in some countries, 2030 in others, 2035 in almost, well, lots of places now, we're going to have huge numbers of, of EVs. Are we going to be able to charge them up, you know, quickly enough, do you think, Mateo? Actually, yes, I think we set ambitious goals on the governmental level. But to meet those goals, I think every stakeholder will play a major role in contributing there successfully, both on the private sector, but as well in the public sector. I think as well, innovation will play a really important part in transformation towards e-mobility. But as well, we will need um, as well on the public side um, support to meet those goals. I think we will have um, somehow a mix of, or we, we see already a mix of several laws coming up, especially in Europe, I can speak for Germany, who are promoting or subsidizing EV sales, for example. But as well, we are seeing that the penetration of those EVs are as well covered with law, for example, as we see in legislation in Germany, for example, we have a law that says new commercial buildings are to be built in a way that is EV ready, that charging infrastructure can be set up or is already set up for the parking spaces there, at least for a certain number. So I think we will see, or we are seeing for Germany, but as part of Europe, I cannot speak for the whole world, a mix of methods to drive this technical transformation, um, coupling the sectors as well from mobility and electricity in the end or energy. Well, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? Because of course, you know, obviously there's a 24 hour clock, you know, most people are asleep at night, but not everybody. And then everybody gets up and goes to work at the same time often and comes home at the same time. We all know about rush hours. Um, I think the fascinating thing is how do we manage the peaks? How do we deal with the peak challenge of charging? Um, you know, it's one thing to have enough chargers, but are they enough chargers where you avoid great big queues? Yeah. You know, we're already seeing that with some manufacturers who've got more electric vehicles out there. And even with, you know, and, and I am thinking of Tesla, by the way, I won't dress it up. We, there have been pictures, little videos of queues of Teslas waiting to charge, even at the yeah. very good charging infrastructure that, uh, that yeah. Tesla have rolled out. So yeah, I think the timing and the structure of this is, is definitely going to be, um, uh, an interesting challenge. Um, so, th well, thank you for that. Thank, thank you for that first answer. Um, what, what is your take on fleet electrification as it's happening now? Um, can you give us a little flavor of what's been happening from what you're seeing with customers and your sort of view of the market? And given some of these deadlines, you know, what, what is likely to happen over the next few years? Um, I've got a few ideas myself, but we're interested in your opinion, not mine. And so, so can you give us a, a flavor of that, please? Actually, I think, uh, uh, Roger, you, you are for long in the EV sector. And I think most of us can remember the launch of the i3 from BMW, which was like somehow a milestone before even there were some different other EVs in the market. But it was like, they were not like really, I would say cars were able to compete with their internal combustion engine car. And so like in the last 10 years, fleet electrification or like EV penetration slowly was picking up, but steadily. And now we are running into a wave. Um, for example, we are coming from 
I would say a small digit numbers of models from the OEMs, like EV models, um, now counting more than 650 models on the market, like including the Chinese models. And those are specially designed as EVs. So the whole user experience um, driving this car is a different one. It's actually, in my opinion, as well a nicer one and we will see here more models coming up i'm i'm, I'm currently coming from the booth from bmw and they stated they will like launch next year they will have 25 purely electric vehicles on the market so it's 25 purely electric vehicles different models which is i think a statement from the oem to contribute here um towards electrification but mm. as well, the behavior of mobility will change. Um, usually, of course, everybody was used to, um, to fuel their car. Now they might charge in public, at public stations, which are uh, set up, um, companies, CPOs, like uh, charge point operators are building up steadily. Um, <laughs> I know what just <laughs> happened then. Somebody yes. just opened the door, didn't they? <laughs> yes, well, I wanted to see the caravan actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a, that's a, yeah, I like that. That's I just knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, I have no key to to lock it. Um, anyway, I think we are we are flexible enough. Um, um, the charging will uh, like the, the way of fueling is already uh, has changed. Um, charging infrastructure is built up in speed. And from big CPOs such as BP and ENDW in Germany, at least Ionity building up fast charging networks. But as well, this public charging network will be as well completed by the possibility of home charging and workplace charging, um, which will be common in the future. And in the next five years, the vast of marriages of new fleet vehicles will be EV. Definitely. There's no going, there's no going back yet. Yeah, well, in that, that's a lovely phrase. There is no going back. And for an industry like the auto industry in Germany, that, that's a massive challenge because you, you know, you, you, you have, I don't know, it's nearly a million people working it directly in the auto industry. Um, some of your biggest companies are either the auto companies or tier ones, et cetera. Uh, but I have to tell you, Matteo, I know you didn't do it on purpose, but you made me feel quite old there in that answer because you said, if I remember correctly, 650 models. I remember when there were just two or three back in yeah. about 2005, 2006. It's extraordinary how fast this has changed to get to that point. Um, so, um, well, well, yeah, and, and you cope very well with the door being opened there, by the way. I'm impressed with your, uh, your ability to um, handle an unexpected moment. Uh, very good. I have two daughters and two, two years of home office experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all seen those videos of the dog or the child or whatever coming in. Absolutely. You're right. We're, we are used to it. It's true. Um, so, so we're trying to get to the essence of a lot of this. Give people some uh, ideas, some examples, some, some, some specific uh, pointers. Uh, so what would you say is often is the number one challenge that sort of been overlooked when people are looking at developing an electric fleet, you know, and, and how is that thing they overlook solved? Um, if I can put it like that. Yes. Um, as, as, as well, your service stated, the number one buzzword is range anxiety. 
Um, that as well, I see today at the exhibition here, many fleet managers getting into the V market, um, thinking about electrifications. They ask those questions, right? Range anxiety. And it is as, um, the number one mentioned, um, reason or barrier, I would say for fleet managers to change to EV as publicated in the international, but as well in German press. But I think it's a kind of mindset, um, here or like perhaps like, a wrong belief behind that. And uh, uh, perhaps it's like coming from the petrol perspective, this, this thing. And I think it's not, uh, it's not true anymore. This is a false belief. Um, why I think that is like we see so of this fast charging infrastructure with high power charging increasingly in a really, really high pace along the highway. And they will continue to grow. We see battery technology, car design optimization would even increase the efficiency of the car. And today, I had just a conversation with a fleet manager from a big supermarket um, handling more than 100,000 cars. He has in his fleet an ID3 and a driver of this ID3 has a range of 800 kilometers. So he's, it's comparable with a petrol car. He's like, the, the driver is as well adopting his, his behavior somehow and is able to drive a higher range now, um, with his EV than with an IC. Right. Well, I mean, the, what you've answered there, I think has come out in a theme of quite a lot of our episodes whereby it's perception. The perception is that you will have range anxiety. The reality is you might on occasion, but it, it's, you know, 5% of the time, 2% of the time. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It still matters. So if it happens once, but I think the important thing is education, information, um, illustration of, of how people run fleets and how it works. Because yes. of course, there's great software to, analyze your travel patterns, journey patterns, et cetera, to maximize the efficiency of any vehicle anyway, we're petrol, diesel, or electric. Um, and those things hold true just in the same way for, for an EV. So I guess that's true. So something I would like to just dig a little bit deeper on is you just, I mean, you're German, you don't just live in Germany, you, but you have, you've worked all around the world. So especially in a part of the world that we don't, we don't seem to talk about too much about, um, certainly in Europe and, and that's South America. Um, so, as I said, you've lived in, you know, many, many different countries. W what are the major differences or sort of major takeaways from like big countries like, um, like Brazil or, 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 or wherever? W where did you live in South America? Because I know, I'm sure I read somewhere you've, you've worked. Yeah, in yeah. I lived in Brazil and in Colombia. And in Brazil, I was actually, this was like somehow one of my first jobs as a consultant. And as well, mobility was part of like consulting business, um, working in photovoltaics, but as well, um, thinking about new ways or concepts of transportation for Rio de Janeiro. And there, like I saw honestly that electric mobility might not be the holy grail, uh, the one fits all solution. Why I think that because mobility and Brazil is like, Brazil is, I, I think a good, good, good example, but Brazil is like, 
one of the major markets that was a lot of car productions in Brazil. But um, it always depends on the environmental um, conditions and um, somehow as well usage is determined by, by the environment, like road conditions, electricity, infrastructure, energy politics, but as well, of course, um, the risk of crime, for example. Like, I, I wouldn't go like in a, a dangerous area or hood and um, spend there half an hour, 20 minutes public charging in a, in a fancy or expensive car. This might be dangerous. But at the same way, this does not mean that EV is not fitting to the country. Why? Because Brazil has a really high adoration as well, a really good, um, I would say, green electricity supply. And what you see in Brazil is because they have a really weak grid. Um, you see in Brazil a lot of commercial buildings or building blocks having um, uninterruptible power supply units in the basements. So one can now imagine like just just from immunization um, playing around to change those uninterrupted power supply units for electric cars to stabilize the grid. So the electric cars have a new use case. And anyway, those cars are not parked on the streets. Usually they are in the basements and the port chargers. So um, it might be as well a chance to stabilize grid in, in somehow weak infrastructures, grid infrastructures. And so electric mobility might as well here become a game changer in some parts or like at least making a fruitful setup towards um, energy transition there. Well, look, we we all know now more than at any time, obviously, with the, the challenge, the conflict that's going on at the moment in Europe, you know, add to that what we had before with COVID and the post-COVID environment, the challenges that that, did, that gave us, the challenges of where we are with supply chains, etc., it, it, there is there is a school of thought. I, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask a political question here because that, that's not appropriate. But the way I see it is, despite how challenging and hugely challenging and difficult these times are right now, there is a silver lining to them, this big dark cloud of, of, of the stuff going on. The silver lining is that this is speeding up the, the focus on uh, innovation and technology renewable energy, storage, grid management, etc. So ironically, you know, we are going to see some, I think, pretty good stuff come out of the bad. Um, uh, it's not not the way we all would have liked it to have gone, but that's kind of, I suppose, is one way of being positive about this current situation. Um, and, and yeah, I think y y your point is a good one. The grid is very different around the world. Uh, driving patterns and behaviors are very different around the world. Economics are different around the world. There's very different ownership um, and use of, of mobility around the world. So, of course, it's going to be different. And, and, and some of the way that difference comes about is going to be um, very interesting. Um, can we talk a, a bit more specifically about, you know, fleets that, that, that are up and running? We, we, I see some big fleets now where I live, people like Amazon, um, people like FedEx, um people you know adopting electric vehicles now taking especially electric delivery vans um and i'm just i'm going to crib some information just just so i get it right i'm looking at um a recent arval mobility barometer said 61 percent of companies uh, are looking to switch to electric cars um and leasing is a pre preferred method of, of finance on that uh, and workplace charging is the most popular charging location for EV drivers. I suspect that's partly because some employers are, are currently, maybe because of the lower numbers, 
giving that for free. And, and if they are, then uh, <laughs> I think everybody would call that their favorite. Um, but but can I ask you this, what, what what's the main difference for fleet managers and drivers when it comes to this switch to electrification um, than, than what they've been used to? You know, if you've been a van driver or electric uh, car driver for 10, 20 years and you've only ever had petrol or diesel in the tank, you know, how, how would you how would you help people come to terms with you know the main difference for fleet for fleet managers in that switch? That's a good one. Actually, I think there will be a lot of education still needed uh, for long term. I think in contrast to fueling, the fleet manager now is confronted with demands on mobility needs right from different stakeholders. But now, and this is the good thing, fleet managers have has a wide range of options to adapt an individual solution towards fleets. Before, like I would say the fueling was quite single dimensional. It was like just, um, okay, um, the cars, the ICs are embedded in a reliable network of, I would say, gas stations of the big oil companies. And the fleet manager was like doing the card handling for the payment and had nothing to worry about. Now with electrification, the fleet managers might face a higher complexity because he has more variety on solving different needs of its fleets. And this, I think, is a value add to a fleet manager's fleets. For example, the fleet manager might not be the only stakeholder anymore. He needs to, to talk with, for example, the facility manager, energy manager, if he wants to install a wall box or a workplace charger. But as well, he will get electricity to a better price than gas or oil. And this is like, I think now a good trade-off. Um, and the electricity might be as well green. So um, the fleet manager has now opportunities to choose before he had no choice. Now he has the choice to get and design the best system for his own fleet. And I think this will drive a lot of other factors, such as I would say um, corporate identity or like as well uh, employee incentives. If the employee now knows, okay, I'm, I, I choose now a car because I can do that. And with a good feeling from an ecological perspective. And as well, um, the car is charged at the workplace and the workplace might be as big that it's provided with own electricity or photovoltaic or even can participate in the electricity market. So we will see a lot of innovation here in that sector. And I think this is really exciting not as for us or for you and me being in the sector, but as well for many fleet managers having new challenges and building up systems they want to. They are going into being, I would say, creative and building things instead of before more administrative tasks. And this, I think, is a really good way how one can shape actually his own environment. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I think it's an exciting answer because what you're saying is uh, vehicle fleets then become dynamic, that they become uh, more a part of the company because they, they offer more of a, of a service, that, that ability to manage energy. Um, who knows? Maybe at some point in time we can have whole fleets of vehicles that, that get charged up with electricity at one rate and then they can push it either into the factory or the office or even back into the grid at a different rate and actually earn money. I mean, I guess, you know, that's not right now, but I think that sort of stuff is coming where 
where it becomes an intelligent asset. It becomes a tool, not just by moving something or somebody from A to B. That battery becomes a real, if you like, service. Um, and yeah, I, I'm beginning to, to sense that that is, that is where we're happening. Is that more complicated for a fleet manager? Yes, it is. You could argue. But I think again, given that technology, especially connectivity, all the support things that, you know, good software and, all of that stuff can give people, uh, they can manage that, you know, they can manage that remotely. They can manage a lot of that. Um, well, literally the press of a button. Um, so yeah, I can, I can see a lot more, uh, works well. Can I just congratulate you, Mateo? Cause we're nearly at the half hour point and you've managed to not have anybody else try to bust into your, uh, your vehicle, into your studio. Um, I don't know if you're waving people away or if you put a sign up or something, but you're doing very well in that regard, by the way. Um, so li listen, we, we, we've got a question come in. I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask it is for Marina Meister. Um, so she says, uh, hi, uh, we have charges at our workplace. However, uh, with more people starting to drive EVs, it's getting busier. Um, is it smart to get more charges or faster charges or both? That's a great question. That's actually really a great question. And I think everybody needs to, um, to, I would say, confront with this question. I would phrase it this way. I think there is no yes or no answer. It's like really depending on the case. If you are able to do work charging, that's great. If you use all, I would say, the technology which is existing already, um, for example, um, access management to the chargers, queuing reservation functions with all that product, which are be applicable to workday chargers as well, like intelligent charging or smart charging, which makes like energy management. Then you can already use a lot of costs, I would say, um, in installment of new charge point because like installment of a new charge point might as well um, lead to the installment of uh, increasing the grid capacity. Um, so before digging in the earth and building up new stations, one should look at the software solutions or intelligence solutions to have, a, a I would say, a smarter approach. And then the last thing I would do is then um, building up additional chargers, but always depending, of course, on the situation uh, you're facing. Yes. Okay. That, that, thank you for that answer. And I think for anyone listening who perhaps is at the moment not strongly inclined towards electric vehicles and thinking, oh, man, this just all sounds so complicated and so challenging and so expensive and all of this stuff. Well, yeah, we're in a transition. And for a lot of people, it's very new. For many people, they've been doing this for, you know, whether three years, five years, 10 years, maybe or more. And, you know, we are learning all the time. And the best practice now that's evident around the world is, is helping people considerably in this. And as I think you said earlier on, Matteo, there's no stopping this now. So when you're in that position where something has momentum the way uh, as we have it now, you know, we're going to make the best of it. That's our job. That's what, that's what progress is about. Um, so listen, I should have invited Marina onto the stage. I forgot to do that. Sorry about that. Um, but what I'm going to do is see if I can get, um, Alexander's in the Netherlands to come on stage, uh, with us. So hopefully Alex, good afternoon. Uh, you're in the Netherlands, I believe. How are you? So, thank you for joining us. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask my question. So, uh, where in the world do you see the most hesitation to buy? 
Yeah, electrical vehicles because of the lack of range. And uh, how can digital solutions combat that issue? I can tell it from my own product. Um, what we see there is uh, or what we implemented and many do is as well. Um, smart e-routing. So depending on the condition of weather, weather forecast, SOC, like the states of the battery uh, charge battery and different others, uh, metrics as, as also called altitude, um, e-routing will ensure usually that you arrive the next charge point without any fear. Yes. And, um, yes, or how we call it, um, with it, yes, with, with some ease, like tr really tranquil. Yeah. Uh, Alex, were you thinking of any, any countries in particular? I mean, like Canada, Australia, that kind of thing. Uh, well, uh, I work for the Nordic market. So, uh, uh, more from the Norwegian market, I guess, or Scandinavian in general. Right. Right. Very, very, very good. Well, listen, can I just ask you, is this your first time? Hooking up to the show, or have you have you attended any of them before? Just just interested in that point. Yes, it's my first time. Oh well, well there you are. Look, your first time and first time and you're famous, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, well that was Alex. I'm going to try one more, and then we'll go back to the questions I've got. Thanks very much for that, Alex. Let's see if we can get uh, Mattis on stage. Let's have a look. Uh, I, I like this format. This is cool. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this you know, is, yeah. this is this is uh, Mattis is in Belgium. He might not be. We've had people where it says they are, and they're in somewhere else. But we'll see where where Mattis is. Um, I won't. I'll let I'll let him answer his question uh, himself. So uh, yeah, that's good. That's a really good one. Um, actually, ah, okay. Oh, here we go. He's coming. Mattis, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, everyone. You hear me? Thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you for joining us, Mattis. Okay. So uh, the stage is yours. Please fire away at Matteo. Thanks a lot. Um, so yes, I'm basically I'm working for Bridgestone and uh, in the new product strategy uh, related to EVs, uh, we want to emphasize on the EV uh, specific tires. Okay. And for the customers, it's important to know that we are developing some tires that will uh, aim to increase the battery range. And I was asking you if uh, from your uh, side, you are also uh, proposing or um, telling the customers that uh, if you go with this kind of tires, specific tires for EV, uh, you will also improve your efficiency in terms of uh, fleets and, uh, and battery range in definitive. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, I'm unfortunately the expert on, um, like the tires and range and the function behind that. Um, I know from the past that the i3 um, from BMW was designed with really small tires, big tires, um, to decrease friction and increase range. But what I can tell you and on March, there's a magazine, um, for fleets, um, in Germany is called Autoflotte. And in the magazine from March, there was an article just asking and answering this question. I wasn't able to read it, but let's link up here and I will send you the article. Is it a deal? Because I, I could, I cannot answer this one. Okay, yeah. deal done. But, but, but we Just write me a message on LinkedIn and I will send you it. 
We have had a, an earlier episode where we were definitely talking about where where tyres um, are, and of course, rolling resistance, lower rolling resistance, improving range, all, all sorts of things. That, that there's a lot to that matter. So that's a very important question. That thank you for joining us. So uh, exactly. that's good. Right. Thanks, Steve. Um, thank you. Um, so I'm going to come back to a few more questions that that I have here. Um, so. Good. Let's, let's just keep a check on the time because it, it does tend to fly a little bit. Um, we, we've talked obviously quite a bit about charging, um, but in your in your experience, should a fleet have its own you know dep depot charging, or, or should they you know sh should they rely on public charging, or, or, or is it a combination of, of both? I mean, a lot of urban operating defined mileage fleets do have a back to base facility. So given that base then can also, as you mentioned in one of your earlier answers, help provide the energy as well and manage the energy. What, what's your best advice in terms of where to put your fleet's charging proposition? Yes, I, I would answer like it's really individually, but um, um, our depot charging um, would give you as an employee um, and towards your employers, I think the maximum control you, you you have a lot of i would say space to innovate um on the depot charging and for example depending on the size of fleet and your location you can as well like open up to public for example um you can provide charging stations to third parties but yes and i think here most crucial point is really the 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 operating costs you have and it's like quite i think it's quite easy to calculate um if you know how much a, the installation of a charger costs and you know that your electricity price you will end up that a uh, depot charger will um amortize really fast in comparison with a fueling um with buying the fuel um so i think this is somehow a, a no-brainer um but of course, and does the statistics say that uh, most of the charging stations will or are taking place at the workplace? But of course, you will. You're, you're driving. You will always end up in situations where you need the public charging solutions. At the moment, the literature says about twenty percent um, of the charging stations are happening in public. So you will always need a backup solution, being able to charge anywhere, every time on the go. So it will be always a combination. Mm, okay. Did I answer a question? You did. And of course, the answer to many of these questions is a very simple two-word answer. It depends. <laughs> it depends again where your fleet is, how big your fleet is, what the charging, what the um the grid stability is like, etc. So 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 yeah, I I think it is important to to just caveat much of what you're saying, and, and I think any of us as commentators say. It depends. And I think it's important to give people uh, a tailored answer, you know, specific to their location. There's to have general answers is interesting, but, but especially if you're about to spend money, you know, serious investment, it depends is a much yeah. better, easier way to get into the detail. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to quickly try one more, see if we can get Rui onto the stage. Um, and then we're going to crack on with, with just a few more, but it, I do like to have our audience on stage if we can do that. So Rui, uh, oh, you're in Portugal. What a lovely country Portugal is and a great country for renewable energy, particularly wind. One of probably the best countries in, in Europe for that, I guess, Rui. Um, 
We can't hear you at the moment, Rui. Sorry about that. I'm not sure why. Um, if you want to have a look at your settings once more, but I tell you what, I will, I'll ask Rui's question. Are you, and this is a really good question, are you planning to include more services associated with charging EV to your platform? For example, tolls, you know, products, services. Yeah, I like that question. I'm sorry we can't hear you, Rui, but we did see you, which was great. But that's, that's, that's Rui's question, Matteo. If it's dedicated to our platform, meaning charge for business or like the, uh, um, the services, um, my company is doing, uh, so digital charging solutions, we do not plan to do tolling. But as many know, and we have a new shareholder, which is BP, British Petroleum, and which is somehow leading, of course, and all, um, kind of fleet management coming from the fueling, I think as well, tolling and other services around car wash and, here we will see, I think, new developments coming together and as well expanding here our product portfolio together mm. with people. Okay. Okay. And by the way, um, Rui or anybody else listening in, uh, as, as indeed Matteo mentioned earlier, if you want to follow up to any of these questions, if you want a more detailed answer, um, that, that can be made available. I'm, I'm quite sure after. Um, can I move on to, to something else, uh, please, Matteo? That, that's really, around digitalization you know everything's moving so fast now it's hard to keep up with it all um so so to, to sort of help a smooth transition how can organizations use digitalization to 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 manage that process i think okay for, first thing crucial is always planning knowing okay what are my needs um to i would say being able to to specify the requirements always important um, and in terms of digitalization, we see a lot of, what well, we talked about, a lot of different products in the markets, like home charging, workplace, a lot of complexity, but I see as well that charging should be as simple as fueling, especially for fleet managers, but as well for the person, obviously. And here, the right products are actually developed. So if you're a small company, you will use something like a fleet portal, which gives you um, the ability to administrate all your charging sessions, to do all the cost allocations, to do um, the dashboards or the dashboard analytics to as well see or determine fraud, for example. Um, if you're a big company, such a full leasing company, usually you have in, in German, you say like fuel management systems in place which are usually as well old legacy systems, monolithic systems, and those will evolve. And here customers have the requirement, of course, to use those systems, for example, using APIs. So functionalities you might see for the normal customer with a normal web portal or web interface, easy to use. You will have the functionalities as well with APIs. APIs interfaces that big fleet management companies can handle their chargings or charging sessions in their systems um, via API. So this is like, this is, I think, evolvement, but it will take time. It will take the time as well on the big leasing providers and the leasing is 25, 25% uh, yeah, of the market is leasing actually from all fleets come, uh, for all vehicles coming into, into the market and those systems need to adapt as well to have here a big contribution in electrifying and managing electric fleets. And and, and, and how can software help when you've got a mix of fleets? Because obviously some of these big fleets, are, you know, they don't do it all at once. It's a, it's a mix. They're in a transition. Um, 
what, what sort of support can you get when you've got a mixed fleet? You know, let's say you've got a fleet of 150 are electric and 50 are still, you know, combustion engine vehicles. How, how can that work in, in, in practice? In practice, like, if you have a mixed fleet, I think, and it's usually still dominated by combustion engines, usually you will integrate the functionalities of EV into existing fleet management tool. Otherwise, you might have two tools, but it's, it's still software is running on a browser usually, or like the new tools. The architecture usually is, um, how it's called, um, a microservice-based architecture. So on your fleet charging management tool, you will get automatic updates on, I would say, perhaps packages on APTG charging or green charging opportunities where you can book. And you will have, I think, in the new software stacks, a lot more innovation and fast innovation, of course, than in the old software stacks where you first of all need to enable those stacks to be future ready, I would say. Yeah, certainly a challenge though. Um, got a final question because we're coming, we're coming round towards the, the end. Um, Brent asks, can you give a specific example of a problem software is solving in the fleet electrification space? I'm sure you can think of more than one, but Brent's just asking for a, a single example of that, please. There are so many, but I was asked today regarding fraud and I think Fraud, as well in the, in the ICE or fueling perspective, petrol perspective, fraud was always a big topic. And now it's like, now it's like, as well in the V charging, it's not that important now because we do not have so many volume in the market, but it will become important. And now the question arise, okay, how we deal with fraud in the future? Because just having a RFID card or app Everybody might charge a third party charging is possible, fraud is possible. I, I don't know actually any technical limitations to prevent fraud, but you can detect fraud. But there's might one, um, and this is my, my example for software, but this would be a plug and charge. Plug and charge is the charging contract is like embedded or integrated in the car. And as soon as the car is connected to a charge point, the charge point in the car are communicating, exchanging electricity, but as well exchanging the payment. So there's just the car and the charging station, which are doing a contract in the end. I think a, a good example where somebody can prevent fraud on the software-based service. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, it, given some of how you describe that, explain that, what I'm intrigued about is this the relationship now between the charge point operators, the OEMs, and the energy companies. In some of what you were describing there in terms of the transaction, you know, managing uh, the transaction, um, how is that going at the moment? Is, is that all going nice and smoothly, or do you, do you think there are going to be some big changes? You, you mentioned BP being part of the scene now for you. Um, What's likely to change, do you think, over the next few months and years in, in how those three big parts of the equation, charge point operator, energy supplier, OEM, you know, the vehicle you're in, how those three bits come together? Um, what, what, what's that looking like at the moment? This is a really, I would say, exciting question because nobody can look at the class ball and I think as well like, this question, many of the stakeholders in the market ask themselves how the future will look like. What's my role at the value chain? What I think I see is like, we have several hundred CPOs in the markets. 
I think as well, what's happened with the fuel in the seventies, we had about 40,000 fuel stations in Germany. Now we have 14,000. So we saw a consolidation. I think this consolidation as well is taking place. I think as well, like big companies will try to get a bigger part of the cake, getting um, more parts of the value chain under control. But of course, the OEMs are like sitting on the customer and they will as well want to have their part of the value chain. And plug and charge might be a good example here where the car is, I would say, predetermined and with the charging stations from the beginning as the car is somehow produced or coming to market. So we see a lot of um, interesting developments in the future regarding the market dynamics and regarding software as well. There's still a lot of things to do, but therefore we have specialists um, such as EVbox, for example, all, all the market participants are good specialists who are trying to build up a really good functional common future um, with, a, I would say, a seamless integrated charging experience in the end. Um, so, so you've been at DCS for what, I think three years, just over three years, four years, something yes. like that. Um, so even in that time, you will have seen some pretty big changes. Uh, we talked about a few of them during, during the call about, you know, conversations around differences around the world, OEMs coming to market. Um, I didn't realize it was as many as 650 vehicles you could choose from now. Honestly, it's amazing when you think of it like that. I think it's about 300 in China. Or only China. So half of half of them are China. Well, I tell you what, before I ask you to give us a quick wrap up, if you like, um, let me quickly, because you mentioned it, ask you about that. We haven't really seen Chinese product in Europe yet. That's if we can just focus on Europe for a second. How, how different might that make much of what we've spoken about charging and software and so on and so forth? If we start seeing some of the big manufacturers bring in real volume. You know, I'm thinking BYD, um, you know, uh, Chang'an, NEO, not, not just the night, you know, the, the lower volume, high value things like Xpeng and, and some of the others, but, but, you know, Shanghai Automotive, you know, um, what's the next three years going to look like if the Chinese start arriving in numbers in your view? I think it, it will definitely put some pressure on the local markets, of course, but as well, it brings us new opportunities. In Germany, we have a pound like um, competition is good for the business in the end. So it will drive definitely innovation. And I see a lot of good Chinese integrated concepts which really make sense and they have different approaches. Um, on the Viso, I'm looking really forward to it. So I think it will be really exciting times and um, to see other concepts. In the end, for the customer, it would be perhaps beneficial. And um, yes, I, I see here as well, like some new Chinese car manufacturers on um, on the exhibitions. It looks like great cars. Um, and I will definitely drive today one of them to get a better feeling and, and opinion on that. Hmm. Hmm. We unfortunately couldn't hear Rui. I think it was a technical problem, probably our end. And I'm sorry about that, Rui. But there is one final point he makes or question. Uh, Charge now uh, for business. Is that going to be available in other markets? It's not just in Germany, is it? it yes. It, that that yes. is a Europe-wide proposition, isn't it? No, not yet. We are semi live in some markets of the app, um, not the portal yet. We are planning to go with this product um, Europe-wide and as well in Portugal. Um, I think Portugal is an interesting market. And yes, so I keep you updated on that one. Very good. Watch this space. No, I think that's uh, that, that's that's good news. So, 
you want to just give us two 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 final minutes, if you like? You're, you're welcome, Rui. By the way, uh, I've just seen his message in response to your answer, so so thank you for that. Um, or how do I say it in Portuguese? Obrigado, obrigado. obrigado. There we are. Um, yeah, give, give us a quick two minute wrap up. Then what what's what's what do you hope for next in terms of your job, the company, and the the challenge of electrification? If I can put it like that. I hope, and I think we are as well, perhaps pushed by the challenging conditions at the moment, globally, politically. We are really pushed into a development because in, in Germany, we it like sector coupling, meaning having the mobility market and the electricity market getting together. And this is actually, from my perspective, something I am watching and working since 20 years almost, like including my studies on that and uh, seeing that more and more evolving. And I'm really happy to be part of this journey. It could be, in my opinion, earlier, but finally we are there and we might have challenging time, but like I would say, keep calm and go on. And um, with the developments, we are on the right way and we will see really massive interesting transformations with a lot of new interesting opportunities in the market well uh that is a very positive note to finish on and so i'd like to thank you for that this has been you know very interesting fascinating indeed uh, i'm glad we got a few of our guests a few of our um, viewers up onto the stage um if you're listening to this on the podcast um, please join us next time live if you can. That would be wonderful. Uh, Matteo and others that we've had and others to come are always willing to share everything they can um, and answer your questions as straightforward uh, as, as possible. Um, so, yeah, positive note to finish on, Matteo. Thank you again. I think you've done spectacularly well in not having anyone else try to get in the van there with you um, <laughs> during, <laughs> during the event. Um, so well done on that. But uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for watching if you have been. And indeed, thank you for listening if you're on the podcast. And please, we've got a very exciting uh, show coming up um, later. Um, so not today, I mean, but in, in four weeks time. So please join us for that. You'll see the promotion on LinkedIn and elsewhere. But for now, thank you very much and goodbye. Well, it was really a pleasure. Thank you.